Today on New Mexico Rising, we have a conversation with Nate Banks. He is the Community Engagement Director for Concerned Veterans for America here in New Mexico. We'll discuss his activism and, of course, his tireless champion of veterans' issues, particularly when it comes to living and working in New Mexico. Let's get started. Oh, I guess I screwed that up. Today on New Mexico Rising, we're going to be speaking with Nate Banks. Nate, I don't know. I don't know how I would exactly describe him. We we talked about whether or not he had an online resume I could look at, but there wasn't a whole lot to go off of. I've known him for years. He's been, uh, I guess, what you could call a pretty tireless warrior for liberty. He's a veteran of the Navy. He's worked with Concerned Veterans for America. Um, uh, Americans for Prosperity and all sorts of other groups as an activist um, and and really just a champion of liberty. So that's that's kind of his deal. And that wasn't exactly the most formal intro I've ever done for this show. I appreciate everybody showing up to watch, but I guess we ought to just get right into the nitty gritty at some point. Thad, look, the, the balloon fiesta's back. Yes, as the fall equinox is, uh, or whatever the hell we want to call it, is upon us, the beauty of every morning walking out to my balcony and seeing a mass ascension in the distance means it is fall in New Mexico, and with the abject and complete failure of the state fair due to the, you know, mandate, the balloon fiesta relented a bit this year, and while they do desire that you wear a mask outside, which is, I'm just going to say it, not smart. Um, they <laughs> got rid, the or at the very way, least, they the scaled back, or at the very least, they said, hey, no no vaccine mandate to enter yeah. Balloon Fiesta Park and to participate in the festivities because that stuff kind of messes with your money a little bit. And the state fair, so I've talked to people anecdotally. I've talked to vendors. I've talked to a lot of people who went to the state fair this year. It was hot garbage. Um, It was great if you wanted to get on all the rides, but it was, but very importantly, it was um, just the vendors said, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know who they talked to there. They said, oh no, no, revenue was up. We did great, whatever. No, no, they didn't. They did not. Yeah, I mean, that's just more of the gaslighting that, quite frankly, they will do. They yeah. can't admit failure on any one of these fronts. So that's that's what you'll hear. Things can be an absolute disaster. They'll say, no, it was a success. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, Weakness know. is strength, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's very Orwellian, right? And so <laughs> now we're running into these issues where, yeah, my theory about the Great Resignation is a thing. Um, also in our kind of lineup is the fact that, hey, um, New Mexico State University deadline for um, students to, and, and most of the faculty to submit their vaccination status. And what they have found that uh, 
only a third of the students have formally uploaded or at least attested to the fact that they are vaccinated. That leaves, do the math, guys, well over 67% of people saying, or, or students, who have not. So now they're kind of in this catch-22 where, like, well, they can be hardcore about it. But I'm not thinking that those who attend our, our most prestigious agricultural university here in the state are going to, I don't know, alienate the agricultural Southerners who go to New Mexico State University. I'm very, very curious to see how far we're going to push this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I mean, you said 67%. The data that they released, the preliminary preliminary data, uh, showed that just a little bit over 30%. So it's a little worse than what you even said right there. Mm. And that's and that's something that you'll even see when they do these headlines and everything else. They always kind of round up or whatever they've got to do to make the numbers kind of sound and the guess, way they want and, them and to. And what about this thing about the definition, right? So fully vaccinated, again, we just, we've kind of, spelled out before in the yeah. program doesn't necessarily mean that you've gotten to two shots and or one and that you're yeah you know you could have gotten them but you're not within this kind of arbitrary two-week period so you were considered unvaccinated kind of the same thing with the hospital data and hospitalization mm-hmm. data where it's just like yes you've gotten the vaccine you might have even been administered the second dose if you're taking the two dose regimen of the other two mrna vaccines but if it's not outside of that two-week window if you are to then show up in the hospital within that two-week window, you are considered not fully vaccinated or unvaccinated, depending on how they want to fudge the records. Yeah, and there has been rumblings. I mean, I, I did hear some rumblings, I guess you could say, that um, at the University of New Mexico, for instance, they're saying that if you've had one shot, just forget it, just come to school, everything's fine, and they'll figure out a way to fudge the paperwork. I have heard the same thing out of some of the hospitals as well where the administrators are just kind of ignoring the mandates as best they can because, because they, they, yeah I, I mean yeah i mean they, they've got major shutdowns everybody talks about the nurses the nurses the nurses and and you know scracy our favorite person i love that guy yeah i mean he he was he was quick to point out that the vaccination rates were very high i mean i think they said what was it 156 nurses are still unvaccinated statewide is what he says but he's not talking about all the other jobs that go into this um i mean whether you want to talk about helicopter maintenance uh you know all these different places yeah yeah Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh pushback in those particular parts of the operation so i mean it'll continue to be interesting to see how this get played gets played gets gets played out Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, I, I I'm I'm loving the the game of chicken because yeah. they're going to give you this kind of rosy numbers like oh well only one or two or three yeah. percent of people have you know we we had to let go and stuff like that maybe you, you never tend to think that like that puts an undue burden on the people who all right submitted and decided that this is not worth the, this is not a hell hill worth dying on however that doesn't mean that down the road you won't have burnout. And people just saying, well, the heck with this. Yeah. The great resignation is not simply fire, mass firings because some people won't submit to vaccine mandates. The great resignation is those people, as well as people who will eventually burn out in six months, as, a, as opposed to the people who are there who decided, all right, well, it's not really worth the hill worth dying on, but I'm not going to give you nearly the 100% that you I gave you before. Particularly if, if you're in the medical field where you were a hero a year ago and now you're part of the problem 
a hero a year ago now you're a zero that's very good i like that and i think that sets things up mr banks mr nate banks why don't you introduce yourself for those of in the audience that don't know you uh tell them a little bit about yourself and then uh, give us your take on this resignation well first thanks for having me on guys it's it's always fun to to chat with y'all um, as far as resignation, I think that it's important for people to stand on principle, um, with, without people standing, uh, standing against this, then they're just going to continue to run roughshod over us. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. I think I've kind of made myself pretty clear to the point where I'll continue to say that compliance with any of this is death. It should 100% be stood up against. Uh, this isn't, this isn't a joke anymore. We can sit here and we can smile on our various programs as much as me as we want. But when I start looking at the data that's in front of me, uh, it's, it's nothing to smile about. It's, it's gross. It's ugly. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We don't know what else to do. And, and I guess, and just, uh, I guess Nate being that you're kind of my guy, when I want to find out what are the veterans issues that are affecting us, obviously nationwide, but here in New Mexico and stuff like that, have you heard, from any of veterans in your circle about about the uh, I don't want to I want to be careful about how I word this about the availability of care within the VA system to be seen in person if one is not fully vaccinated and that that service is being either denied or curtailed. First, don't give them any ideas. <laughs> um, well. They, they don't really need an excuse. The VA doesn't really need an excuse to cancel or deny care to veterans. Uh, over the past, well, some months between uh, 2020 and, and early 2021, the VA canceled 19.7 million appointments for veterans without warning, without rescheduling, and without referring them to community care, which by federal law they, they're mandated to do. So I haven't heard specifically to your question i haven't heard anything about denial of care based on vaccination status but i've i've had this uh, sneaking suspicion that it's something they're they're likely to consider let's just say i heard from a little birdie that it was greatly encouraged that in-person appointments would probably be curtailed if one is not back is not considered fully vaccinated right well i my, I personally don't like going into that facility anyway. It, it feels it is. It, yeah, I don't. I don't was, blame you. <laughs> so Raymond G. Murphy here in Albuquerque, it was already not the greatest place to go into in person before all of this stuff happened. Uh, now they've got fences and guards and everything up. It, it feels very prison-like, mm. you know, or or like you know you're checking into a jail or something. This is coming from somebody that worked in as a detention officer for several years, so. I know a jail when I see one. <laughs> that in public schools. Exactly. I digress. <laughs> uh, well, it kind of makes you wonder if that's part of the uh, psychological conditioning with all this anyways. It does seem as though they're trying to get us more used to the idea of being locked up. I know, you know, we could really go down the rabbit hole, start talking about shielding in place and all the FEMA camps that we sit here and joke about. But when you see what's going on in Australia, for instance, it's it's really hard not to uh, recognize the reality. I know in Canada right now, um, they are moving forward. And in a lot of public housing, 
they're making you know vaccination a condition of getting public housing so you know now they're they're even doing that which is interesting because i know one of the things that i thought we could talk about was this apparent shortage of affordable housing in new mexico and so i can kind of start to see where this is getting set up nicely yeah no i mean it, generally speaking when i ever i see um the the buzz terms affordable housing and as it pertains to shortages first thing you look at is what are your zone what's your zoning like they always ignore the zoning and they always ignore and sean can attest to this the amount of cost associated with having licensed you know tradesmen build out the infrastructure necessary they tend to forget that like i don't know what this, the study was but i think somebody said like 30 to 40 percent of the cost of, the, of, of building a new home or structure is regulatory um you you run into all these things and then with the moratorium that allowed uh, a executive executive branch agency to like dictate to landlords when and where when and where they are to be paid if they have tenants in their home and that damage that has has happened as a result of that um who was who was going to get into the landlord business of uh who was going to get into the business of constructing anything oh by the way to dovetail back to our previous conversation about the great resignation and i.e requiring workers and tradesmen who are on these sites building these things to be vaccinated and the fact of the matter is if you were to fully enforce that you would have a great shortage of people necessary to build this it's almost as if and correct me if i'm wrong here it's almost as if they they don't want to solve the problem they just want the problem there so they can then beg for federal funds and you know extract more from developers who are stupid enough to build yeah, um, there's a lot to go into there uh, from occupational licensing, which you know goes into the regulatory burden that makes all of this more expensive. Um, and then the the boogeyman that I believe that the at least the federal government and definitely our state government would like to to stay in place uh, because they're they're trampling rights probably worse now than they did. Uh, after 9-11 with the Patriot Act when they, they came in with sweeping changes um, after that. But uh, yeah, th there's definitely something to the regulatory burden um, that comes into uh, building houses and, and other structures. Um, yeah. Well, and it, it's, look, I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at it honestly and I'm saying they are setting everything up, whether you're talking about destroying the economy or anything else, they're, they're making it you know, this impossible choice, you know, it's, it's an offer we can't refuse in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and, the, and yeah. I mean, Thad was talking about little birds talking to him, you know, about, about trying to get care for veterans. And that's something that we've seen across the department of defense. And, and now I've got little birds telling me that, you know, in the department of justice, they're now requiring everyone who works for them to turn over their social media. Wow. Mm. And and so it's, you know, we're watching right now in real time a complete purging of all these different agencies. And 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 I had said that early on where it was like 
I, politically, Michelle Lujan Grisham couldn't come at this any harder than she already has. I didn't see that as being politically possible. But the beauty is, is that because of the power that's now being vested in the federal government, everything's coming down from the Biden administration. Yeah. All of these, all of these unconstitutional mandates and everything else, regulations within the agencies, and so it really is coming down from the top. The only thing here is that you know our governor, she's happy to let them do it. Doesn't bother her any bit as long as she can kind of maintain her grip on the power that she wields here in the state. She doesn't care. She's complicit in it. And she has a lot of money to sit on top of to do that. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. When I had doubt on last week, we we discussed that. Yeah, she's the Senate is suing because they wanted their beaks wet. But part of that housing crunch, right, is if you want to maintain, uh, you know, the issue of affordable housing crisis and stuff like that, and you have the dub, you know, from from on high, the Biden administration with moratoriums and other kind of regulatory kind of you know, you know carrots and sticks she you know there, there's a lot of rental assistance money that was never really handed out that you can use as political patronage to people who are compliant right mm -hmm. and she has lots of control over not only that rental assistance that was supposed to go to landlords but also like anything um and yeah it's just it's being controlled from dc and our affordable housing crisis here in the state and in most states and most municipalities is self-inflicted. Um, and I don't think, I don't understand why they think that it's going to get any better if you have not handed out the rental assistance necessary to compensate landlords who have had to sit on properties for a year and not, you know, not retain anything. If they haven't sold off the black rock, those people are now bankrupt. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful pincer move to like, destroy landowners or kulaks if you were to remember your soviet history yeah that's a lot of dead air <laughs> <laughs> go ahead nate i was just agreeing with that it's uh it's as though they're they're working very hard to to drive property owners away from their property mm -hmm. um doing it through executive fiat or um, or any of the, the, the numerous agent agencies that are dictating to, to property owners, landlords who, who can and cannot collect rent uh, to go back to your earlier point. Um, being a landlord was something that I'd considered, but after this, this, you know, last few months, there's, there'd have to be some severe changes before I would consider that now. Well, and I think, I think we need to start recognizing what's going on is that this is just a federal takeover of private property. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what's going on. And they've yeah. done it all through the guise of public health, which is, mm -hmm. which is the beauty of it. They used something that Americans have typically trusted historically. And they used that as the, as the uh, agency that they'd come down with, which kind of goes right into this other thing with the CDC study on gun violence. Uh, New Mexico is one of 10 states selected to receive funding from the Centers of Disease Control for that. Miranda Viscoli, the co-president of the nonprofit New Mexicans to Prevent Gun Violence, she says it's actually exciting. She's very excited to learn about how the CDC can come up with recommendations to regulate the Second Amendment. Yeah, and I assume that her 
uh, I guess special interest agency will be getting some of that government largesse because it will obviously go from the CDC to Santa's Fe and from Santa Fe, it'll go down to, I, I guess she stands to profit from running this study that will be probably very biased, probably not terribly scientific because the yeah. last time the CDC did a gun study, um, they completely foobarbed it up and came to, and people came to the exact wrong conclusions because if, because they took, the conclusion as opposed to looking at the data well and let's be honest about the amounts involved the cdc is awarded 2.2 million for the study right mm -hmm. okay new mexico gets 150,000 per year for the duration of the study into 2023 that's literally just paying somebody's paycheck yeah that's like a salad. That's, that's just, just yeah, like yeah, a little yeah. favor you're not going to get much out of that study that's not enough money number one if you were actually trying to conduct something legitimate but that's not, they're not really trying to conduct something legitimate. They're trying to get the answers that they want so that they can move forward with the legislation that they want so that they can take your guns. That's, that's, that's what this is about. It's about infringing on the Second Amendment. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so yeah, I know you're a big Second Amendment guy there, Nate. I mean, you know, uh, looking at this, I mean, you know, what are the threats you've seen, particularly from a veteran perspective of like, the obvious conclusion that will come from this study? Uh, that we're a threat to ourselves or society, um, that, that we're likely to, to uh, participate in um, activities that they would deem unfitting, whether it be challenging, uh, challenging their rule or certain laws or restrictions that they put in place um, or just simply, you know, uh, exercising our rights as they're, they're laid out for us to, um, as a means to protect ourselves or property or our loved ones as we're carrying out our day-to-day -day business. Um, there, it's, it's been a goal of, of that crew to, to put an end to that for a long time. Um, you can see with the, the nomination of, uh, David Chipman former ATF agent that burned women and children at Waco uh, to, to lead the ATF, which um, thankfully his nomination went down in flames, but yeah. that's just the beginning. The next person's going to be less well-known, but he's going to be equally terrible on, on these, uh, on these issues. And without, you know, without pressure from, People like us and organizations out there like uh, Firearms Policy Coalition, to name it one, um, without educating the, the public and, and giving our feedback to our federal overlords, um, the next nominee could likely go through and he's going to be just as terrible. Yeah. No. And what about this? I'd heard something about the this NDAA that got went through the house here for 2022. Again, right. we're still stuck with the NDAA, you know, 20 years later um, about uh, about restrictions, possible restrictions put on uh, uh, active duty military members and maybe some veterans when it comes to gun ownership. I know right. it was a rumor out there and, and I know there were some language in this with the thing that passed the House. What have you heard about that from a policy standpoint? So. Generically, the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, is just the appropriations bill that, that funds the Department of Defense and, and you know, parts of uh, 
its its tentacles or or other organizations or agencies that are are a part of them. But it's also in in a lot of ways it's a uh, a means for wish list granting. So they they pile in stack in language like what you're you're alluding to, Dad. Uh, there's language in this most recent NDAA for this, the fiscal year 22 that was essentially a red flag law uh, for uh, active duty military personnel. So um, every, I don't know that we need to get you know real specific on red flag laws, but basically um, a jaded X or or uh, a buddy, some somebody that that just wasn't real happy with you in the moment, they could call. Uh, I guess in this case, base police or security, and let them know that you have a firearm, you're a danger to, to me or somebody else, and um, that they need to come in and confiscate your, your firearms. And, um, you know, that, that takes due process completely out of it. And this is after the, the Clinton administration has all but de-armed active duty military personnel on base anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tend to remember that very specifically. Right. Well, I think the other thing that that I had seen and has been talked about was with the uh, vaccination mandate there was that you're going to have guys that are getting dishonorably discharged. And as a result of that dishonorable discharge, they'll not be allowed to possess firearms either is is one of the understandings I saw. Is that true? So just to give the audience, I guess, a, a better understanding of a dishonorable discharge, it's it's uh, it's a lot worse than what it sounds. You know, they reserve dishonorable discharges for the worst crimes, like people that commit murder or uh, rape or kidnapping or you know violently assault somebody. Um, it's it's pretty well equal to a felony offense or conviction. So yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible that that they're floating the idea of this for refusing. Uh, for refusing a, a medical treatment or experiment, whatever you want, however you yeah. want to label it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's really where we're at. And again, you know, everybody can call me crazy. I don't care anymore. We, Look we, at we, what's we, happening. Look at what's happening. They are disarming political opponents. They're right. making, they're turning them into criminals overnight if they choose to exercise their constitutional rights. This is what's right. happening. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. So uh, yeah, it's it's I, it's it's gross and ugly. I mean, you I go back to go ahead, Nate. Sorry. Just just to to cover on the NDAA a little bit and and the the dishonorable discharges that you mentioned for refusing vaccination. I think that this is a step toward them doing this to the civilian population and potentially jail or uh, felony charges for refusing to accept a vaccination or you know. Um, yeah. Experimental procedure, whatever you want, however you want to label it. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the conditioning in people where they're over there blaming the unvaccinated for their grandmother dying or whatever, and it gets mm-hmm. really old. Especially, it's it's funny that all these things are happening in the agencies, and then something I didn't want to skip over at all because it's very important is this Department of Defense uh, artificial intelligence data analysis that was done under Project Salus. Um, it's, it's kind of a big deal. What it shows is, um, ADE 
over a large scale. There's, a, there, you know, it shows that it's affecting uh, people with melanin <laughs> disproportionately when they take the shot. I know, yeah, I know, clutching your pearls there, Dad. <laughs> like, like we didn't see. The, what's disturbing is that it's, it's literally the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, coming out confirming all of this data that they've analyzed, and what it's saying is everything that you know crackpots like me have been warning against for almost a year now. Right. And, and, and the fact of the matter is like, you know, this AI analysis, uh, you know, machine learning analysis is taking an extremely diverse data set and it's doing what it does best. And the fact that it has been able to pick out uh, some of the key findings of, yes, the mRNA vaccinations wane over time um, fairly quickly, um, you know, and that uh, natural immunity works, even, you know, with or with or, coupled with or without vaccination. Um, and um, yeah, it's everything that us crazies have been saying. And also there is a potential for antibody dependent enhancement, right? Because of the scale of inoculation that has taken place over the last, yeah, we're, we're, we're almost up to a year now, but we're not quite there. And that there might there we've never done this on this massive scale, uh, particularly for a therapeutic, not a neutralizing vaccine, but just something that has now basically become a therapeutic. Right. And so we need, it, it, you know, there's going to be more analysis like this coming out. It's going to conclude what a lot of people have who have been banned from certain platforms have been saying could have could be a possibility. We're starting to see in disproportionate disparate proportions of the population yeah. what was predicted. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's as of right now, Native Americans are the highest. They have 50 percent higher chance of being hospitalized after being vaccinated compared to whites. Hispanics are around 40 percent higher and blacks are around 25 percent higher. Yeah. And, and, and let's let's again, we, we had this discussion on previous episodes about this, this very thin strip of land that we're battling on this is still recoverable by i'm going to be generous 96 to 97 percent of the population this is this is, you will recover we were bamboozled 100 and the biggest problem we're facing right now is getting the people who got bamboozled to admit that they were bamboozled it's the sunk cost fallacy when it comes to one's convictions and yeah, it's one's too big principle. to fail it's definitely it is. And, fail and pride is a, a very difficult thing to overcome yeah, well, yeah. But, also go with before the fall. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been looking into that goes along the lines of what we're talking about right now is uh, have, have either of you followed the money, um, looked into uh, pharmaceutical companies and their political donations? Oh, yeah. So I went, yeah. I went back to the 2012, 2008-2012 elections and the increase in spending that they went through from 2008 to 12 uh, to 2016 was a massive increase. And it was even, it was even more, uh, it was an even bigger jump from the 2016 to 2020 election cycle and how much they, they gave out. And um, it's, I, yeah, I can imagine you find out a lot of things. Yeah. I had seen something briefly that Pfizer had hired, I think 28, different lobbyists that used to work within several administrations to, you know, hang out in DC swamp and peddle their wares. 
make yeah. sure that things get pushed through. It's no surprise that Pfizer is the one that gets authorized when you start following yeah. all of that dirty money around and you realize yeah. what it really is. And, and you know, and the fact of the matter is that Merck will now have a derivative of their ivermectin. Um, oh, yeah. Chemically, uh, you know, chemically, we, we're being trying to, they're trying to convince us to chemically it's not that similar to ivermectin but basically it's sort of similar to ivermectin and so they're going to probably get a quick emergency use authorization for a derivative of the drug that they developed but at 70 dollars a pill well and understand with these emergency use authorizations there's no liability either Correct. right not Bunch only of lab rats just lining up it also goes deeper than that they're not only do they not have liability but they have been I guess the most honest way to put it is printing money uh, that we pay the interest on in order to uh, do multi-billion dollar advertising campaigns for these companies on top of covering the liability for these companies. Oh yeah, and the, value, yeah. the valuations on these companies have gone up. I think the, the smallest I saw was $100 billion on these, these big pharmaceutical companies that are pushing these, these therapeutics. Well, and they're pushing them through social media. They're they're literally reaching out to influencers, you know, whether they're on TikTok or elsewhere, and they're paying them off to go and say how wonderful this shot is. The federal government is the biggest payer uh, payer of this, so they're getting so these pharmaceutical companies, you know, saying I, I'm you know, and I'm all about big pharma, like the next like the next you know you know free market guy, but like these guys are getting in kind basically contributions to their advertising budgets by virtue of the fact that the federal government pushes their their agenda that yeah. pushes their wares that should be disturbing to anyone even if you sat on moderna when it was twelve dollars and now it's you know 230 dollars uh you know before you go and buy your lambo and stuff like that realize you know you know get on your knees and and, and pray that like you know that isn't blood money Right. Well, and it needs to be pointed out, too, that if you want to make really wise investing decisions right now, now this is not financial advice. It's not financial Disclaimer. advice. But just follow what, what Nancy Pelosi does. You'll do well. <laughs> or anyone who, anyone who works it's, yeah, at it's the Federal amazing how, Yeah, it's amazing how she'll move her money around, and then, you know, two weeks later, some legislation passes, and, and uh, that, that whatever particular company gets some major contract. It's it's. It's really yeah. amazing. Look at look at what she's your just a really smart investor. Yeah, look at what your betters invest in, and do that. Betters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the betters. I say that very ironically because you know they're not they 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 kind of suck. It's kind of like Tucker Carlson has this uh, this this adage. He says it's just like it's not that I don't it's not that I hate elites. It's just that our crop of elites I'm just not very impressed with. Right. And they're not impressive. These are just not impressive people mm -hmm. and you, you, you know when they can when they can uh you know lament thomas massey who has a you know a mechanical engineering degree from mit and Rand paul who is a doctor um, and a surgeon at that and and, and they can you know they, they're the crazy ones right but like the barmaid from you know brooklyn or wherever the heck aoc did her bartendering is considered like the this 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 paragon of virtue and like wisdom we live in the upside down they are they're supposed to be our betters and i am not impressed by them at all well i mean let's let's be honest it's like i saw the other day our our favorite uh friend greta 
she was giving, Ooh, I guess, yeah, she was giving what I guess you could call a speech. And she just basically got up there and she was going in blah, blah, blah. Literally, that's what she was saying was blah, blah, blah. And you got the whole crowd just going, oh, 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 oh stunning, brave, and also naive and yeah. stupid. Why is she, is she in university? I thought, right. uh, you know, we're supposed to only listen to those who've gone to university and stuff you like know, that. She's probably getting too old for them to keep parading her around like this. But, you know, you know yeah, they yeah, exactly. they'll, they'll milk I mean, that for as long as they can. But bringing it down to now, our local level, where our betters who and our elites who don't impress me at all as well. Let's talk energy. This was kind of interesting to me. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to we're just going to shoot ourselves in the foot with this energy stuff. We, we, we're, we're just going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that pretty much what you're seeing, Nate? Yeah. Well, that's what's been going on for, for quite a while. You know, I'm, I'm a strong believer in following the money. Um, this year, or it, may, it may have been 2020, but uh, this year, New Mexico received her first billionaire. And New Mexico's first billionaire wasn't from selling, you know, creating a valued product that, that the market was in demand for that everybody wanted. He was peddling subsidies and stealing money from the poorest New Mexicans um, to pay for him to peddle these subsidies Which on the scary. backs of solar panels. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, New Mexico's first billionaire is a subsidy billionaire. Uh, that's the direction, the trend that we've been, go we've been going for a while. Um, if you ever need to, uh, catch an app or something, tune into some of the committee hearings during the legislative session mm -hmm. and listen to some of some of what's being pushed by our elected leaders. Um, there's there's a massive push for so-called green energy. And my big question is, you know, how much ownership do they or their family or friends have in these that, that are going to benefit from the legislation that they're pushing? Um, you don't there there's a there's a, a big push going in one direction while the lifeblood of the state is is being phased out so um I don't, I don't know what they're going to do when they finally get rid of um, extractive industries like oil and gas and coal uh, to produce power and, and energy with but um it's it's going to look a lot like Texas did this past summer, or California with the rolling brownouts and rationing of energy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll have rationing of healthcare, we'll have rationing of energy, because quite frankly, what they're planning to do right now is ration human beings. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, it, you know, yeah, not to go down that dark path, but yes, let's go down that dark path. That's what they're doing. I mean, we've had a lot of people on our program here, particularly from the South, who who feel like, like yeah, like they, they feel like second class citizens in a state where they are the greatest contributors to the state budget. Um, and they, you know, I, I asked the question, it's just like, well, what are your representatives doing and stuff like that? Well, the representatives typically uh, represent the, you know, I like to call the loyal opposition of the GOP in the South. And they have absolutely no power in Santa Fe, even when they have power in Santa Fe. Um, particularly from the governor's mansion, right? It's like, it's not that this stuff didn't start under, you know, um, uh, what is it, Richardson, and then kind of paraded on to, you know, uh, Martinez and, 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 and on and on and on. This, this stuff is still in there, right? That subsidy billionaire, right? That solar billionaire here in the state. I mean, these were subsidies that have been in place long before 
our 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 what is it? Our queen here, Michelle Lujan Grisham, was in, and then the radicals have essentially ran out those who are. I guess good Democrats who are in regions of the state where the extraction industries are actually very, very important. Right. And they just replace them with absolute radicals that want this industry, these industries destroyed. If they shut down the San Juan generation, you know, plan, yeah. um, we are going to have rolling blackouts next summer. You mark my words. And it won't and, and first it's gonna hit the parts of the state that are obviously don't vote for this type of stuff, but that's gonna spread. Yeah. Right. What are these methane regulations that they seem to be pushing and stuff like that? And inert gas. What are these other things uh, that they're pushing in parts of the state? Is where do they think they're going to get this money to, you know, pay the subsidies for the wind and solar and um, affordable housing subsidies and stuff? Where do they think that money's going to come from? China. <laughs> or Arlan Glid, which is what? What Spanish? Yeah, I mean, look, when you've got an email exchange where Grisham's planning to go to an energy futures initiative in Scotland to listen to Ernest Moniz, the former Secretary of Energy under President Barack Obama. Yeah, that guy was like, oh, what, what are we doing? Are, are we even guessing what's going on anymore? I guess there are people out there that are like, oh, no, this is just politics as usual. This is nothing different. Um I don't know. I've been following politics a long time. This is this is definitely different. This is definitely a blatant curb stomp to your way of life, whether you like it or not. And from the great resignation, which is basically going to cause shortages when it comes, you'll see, not to sound bougie, I can't find avocado oil at my local freaking Walmart, right? Now, that's bougie as shit, right? Because, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> the National Guard can only come in and cover so many positions. <laughs> yeah, who's going to give me my avocados? Um, you know, it, it's 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 these these are real things, and they 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 tend to be our leaders. Our better seem to be completely oblivious to like their policies are going to have these unintended consequences, and then when these unintended consequences manifest, they're going to blame capitalism. It's just like, well, yeah, well, you've kind of buggered up the works. When it comes to any free market system being able to function, um, who's paying for her to fly to Scotland? By the way, if I may ask, you uh, likely it's going to be the tax victims of the state of New Mexico. Yeah, well, I think I think we really ought to start calling them tax victims. All of us are victims. That's actually a good point. term. I have never yeah. heard a bunch of, of Stockholm syndrome. You know, the, the government is raping us. Yeah, and that word is not too strong at all. For what's going on but nate yes sir what can people do what can people do to uh push back against this in your estimation let's let's try to get as white-pilled as we can as we kind of wrap things up here uh one of the things i would do is get out of your silos right if if you stick stick to your echo chambers the message isn't going to go anywhere it's not going to travel anywhere second learn how to message Learn it, learn how to storytell, learn how to message your your message civilly, because I'm not trying to change Sean's mind or Thaddeus's mind. I'm trying to change the mind of the six or eight people that are paying attention to the conversation. And if if we stay civil and we don't just uh, roll out the gates insulting everybody, we're more likely to change people's minds and convert them to our messaging. Right. So find find a group an organization, somebody that stands for what you stand for, learn how to learn how to speak to people, um, 
social media, one of the worst things about it is the way that people treat each other nowadays. Um, it's not going to win people to your cause. We have to, we have to come up with a way to win people to our cause. And that's by staying civil whenever we're engaging in, in conversation. So, um, there's, there's a number of, of organizations out there. I would, uh, first I would look outside of your own political parties because most of the time, one, it takes them a long time to get the ball moving on things. Um, and a lot of times you'll find an organization that is specifically focused on that issue. You're, you're one or two big issues. So find out what organizations are, are uh, engaging on those and, and see what you can do to help. Yeah, that's, that's all very good advice. Baka, what are we doing here? Um, hanging out. What are you guys oh, doing? You know. That was That's a good show. I'm just asking uh, you. Just hanging you out watching. Actually, shave. I was check. I did shave off some. Uh, yeah. Getting ready to grow that winter beard. Oh, okay. I like so it to come in like when to it get gets a little, cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah it little, feels good. Little cleanup before. Uh, my uh, wife is also like, I can go get kisses when I have my lips covered and I'm all burly, but yeah. she comes out of her way to kiss me when my lips are open like this. So, you know, I wanted to entice the lady, the special lady friend over my way. This is my <laughs> attempt at. I feel like Pepe Le Pew on some level. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I was actually <laughs> I was pulling up my calendar actually uh, to see who we have because this Wednesday we have um, hold on let me get there uh, we have Audrey Trujillo coming back for That's a visit good. and then then Sunday a week from today we have Aaron Clements coming on and then possibly i think we're still working out we're going to have Karen Bedoni on the Wednesday after that so while you guys are talking about all of these things that uh, you know depending on my mood make me feel very stressed or not or <laughs> or despondent or whatever uh, i was also trying to lock in some of our guests to keep this train rolling as long as we can until they lock us in to the FEMA camps i did find a funny meme my friend oh, made good. i thought you, i would want to share it with you guys we like um, memes it, can you guys see that Mona tries to get you down, but you already sat down at your table. <laughs> yeah, science. Yeah, Mr. White. Jesse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that goes down, though, obviously, with yeah. melanin involved or Hispanic. Look, I've got, you know, I. I might look like a white guy, but I'm got native in me, uh, Hispanic. I'm, I'm I'm don't want that shit at all. I'm yeah, starting right. to feel a little threatened. Yeah, you might you you you, you might get killed. Yes, yes. Yeah. You think, you, Baca, you think these bags under my eyes are for no reason? No, this no, is what happens there. when you stay up till two in the morning reading this garbage. Yeah, you gotta, you know, I'm whatever. I, I got nothing. Yeah, I know you tell me to knock that off, but then what would we be doing here? Mm -hmm. What do you guys got? Know. Does anybody have anything to shill? We've I sold just, some bad glory boxes. Yeah, everybody. Yep, everybody needs to buy that. That's that's mainly it. We are trying to sell all of those off, right, Thad? Yeah, as best as we can, yeah. man. And Nate, I appreciate the everyone. fact that we have actually made, you know, a little, you know, we have three people who, or at least three orders, but I think two people. And uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I have them. Uh, you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get, your, I, I, get your Thad's, get your hands on Thad's box. If you could. Yeah. Again, be nice. <laughs> I think that's a better ad than you, Baka. I really got to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right um, well, well we still got said, people watching i love it hey I, you know i guess we're, we're just kind of kicking it but no um huge thank you to everybody who watches this everybody who shares it gets it out there 
um and things are not up. getting e- up man and things are not up. getting any easier for any of us and and i recognize that nah. very clearly um so anything you can do to support what we do whether you go buy one at thad's glowy box things you know i have my own uh crowdfunding that you can go contribute to all of it's appreciated every dollar keeps us going here because it's uh it's no joke they're trying to shut everybody down uh, yeah, I was getting also texts that where that our New Mexico Rising pages are kind of just getting a bit spammy. Uh, like we're always under attack, guys. It just is what it is. You know, yeah. go 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 somewhere else to follow us. Facebook yeah. is probably not our friend. For neither is Telegram. Telegram's got a lot of uh, spammy bots. Yeah, yeah, spam is what it is. And yeah. actually, it, and, and while we're giving good advice, uh, you can buy lots of spam right now. And I sure. would suggest you do so. Get some spam and get some Thad's glowy box thingies. Yeah, that's right. All right, I think that's about it. Ah. Well.